0: contentment. Contentment is a word I feel like we hear a lot lately. Contentment in our life, contentment in our marriage, contentment in our stuff, contentment in our singlehood, contentment in our parenting, contentment at work, contentment at school, contentment, 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 contentment. like I see all these contentment challenges and I see people talking about contentment, but contentment is hard. Achieving real contentment is a challenge for us. Finding contentment in the tough seasons of life can sometimes be something that can really break us and and challenge us to our core. If you have ever struggled with this, if you've ever struggled with feeling like you will never achieve contentment, if you've ever had a feeling like you don't know what it is you are meant to do in life, today's episode is for you. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of StillBeingMolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Ashley Maynard, She is the founder of The Intentional You, and we talk about so much today that is going to inspire you and hopefully inspire you to take action and make changes in your life. Now, on to the show and enjoy this chat with Ashley. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. How are you? I am so good. It is a hot, 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 hot day here in North Carolina, but I am really excited to be sitting in air conditioning talking to you.
1: Yes, I can imagine, and, and and it's raining out here in Michigan, so I'm uh, thankful to be indoors right now and. Out of the humidity and talking to you as well. I
0: know. Well, I have been, I found you on the internets, as they say. And it's one <laughs> of those things where sometimes people are like, oh, how did you find me? And I'm like, I, you know, the inter- the rabbit hole of the internet, sometimes you like roll, you roll down and then you come across somebody. And um, I just love what you do. And I love how you really help people. Find and pursue their passion and their purpose, and that is so much about what I'm about, what this show is about, and so I can't wait to really just hear your story. So, to kick us off, will you give us the Ashley 101? So, tell us your story. You can tell us, you know, as much or as little as you'd like about yeah. the the things that you you know have have experienced in your life that have led you to where you are today. Mm-hmm.
1: So, it, it for me, it started. Um, Back in 2013, and um, I was really active, or still am, really active in church. But what I mm-hmm. noticed was that there wasn't a um, huge presence for, like, a singles ministry in our mm-hmm. church. And um, I just felt like, you know, God was telling me to like get more involved with singles, and I was trying to figure out how to do it by like creating a ministry in church. And was just really difficult. And so I just decided to, you know, go with a friend and start our own thing. And so we had started Single Pearls of Wisdom um, back in 2013, like the end of 2013. And that kind of grew really fast. And um, then, you know, our where God was calling us was starting to go in different directions. And so um, in 2015, we kind of branched off and did our own thing. Um, And I uh, my day job, I'm a licensed professional counselor Mm -hmm. and um, I do a lot of career counseling and relationship coaching and counseling and and working with especially individuals who are kind of struggling with um, either breakups or singlehood and um, and or uh, the third kind of common theme that I see with a lot of clients outside of career and relationships is just um, not necessarily finding like not feeling like they have meaning Um, Mm -hmm. in their life, like they just feel like they're going through the motions and they're just existing and they're not actually living and and doing something that they really find fulfilling in their life. And so that kind of transferred what I was doing with Single Pearls of Wisdom in terms of um, helping people to uh, discover contentment in their singlehood and develop a deeper relationship with God and um, really discover self-love. I kind of pivoted a little bit and um, decided to Start intentional you, where mm-hmm. I was able to kind of bring all three of these things that I see on a daily basis: career, um, finding like that drive and passion in your life, and then you know finding healthy relationships, whatever that means, whether it's you know family, platonic, or romantic. And um, so that's kind of where intentional you was birthed in, I'd say August of 2015. And awesome. um, it's it's just something that I love doing. I love you know, connecting with people and hearing their stories and and being able to hear and listen to, you know, some of their barriers or pain points and, and being able to bring awareness to some places that they might not, I should say, some of their blind spots mm-hmm. and um, helping them kind of move past that and, and see progress. And um, one of the things I, I love about Intentionally You is just, you know, the the amount of people that I get to meet from everywhere, whether it's just, you know, commenting on, you know, posts that I make or, um, you know, quick questions that they might send me through DMs. It's just really, really fun to engage um, with people on a daily basis. And I feel like Intentional You has the potential to grow. And as I, you know, things in my life change, I'm sure that, you know, Intentional You will pivot again and and refocus. But I'm excited, you know, what God has in store for my, for me and, and intentional you.
0: I love that. I would love to know, so you, as you mentioned, you are a licensed counselor. And mm-hmm. how did you get into that? Was that something that you were always really passionate about? Was it something that, you know, from the time you were a kid, you were just the one that your friends always came to and, <laughs> you know, asked for advice. And then you, you realized that this was something you were good at. Where did that uh, stem from?
1: Yeah, so when I started college, um, I was convinced that I was going to be a dermatologist. And I was so bent, like on sticking with my science classes and, you know, becoming this doctor, because at the core, I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And um, after taking Chem 133 times, (laughs) I was like, God, (laughs) I think, I think you're telling me that this is not the route that you want me to go, Yeah. Um, but you still want to help. I, I still feel like you want me to like impact people in some way, but I just, I need to figure out like what exactly that is. Yeah. So I really enjoyed my psych class freshman year. So I decided to take a few more psychology classes, um, sophomore year. And then I decided to major, um, I was a psych major. And then when I graduated from college, it was uh, 2007. So right before the economy crashed. Mm-hmm.
0: I graduated um, in 2007,
1: too. <laughs> oh, awesome. So then you probably kind of feel <laughs> the situation that I might have yes. gone through. With it. Yep. Um, but finding a job, especially in Michigan, was really difficult. Mm. Um, a lot of my friends either found jobs and then were laid off. They moved out of the state. Um, I ended up taking like a temp position and doing more so like administrative work um, for about a year and a half, almost two years. But while I was in that, you know, season, I was really trying to figure out, okay, where do you want me to go next? Because it's not dentistry anymore. I know I love psychology. I don't know if I want to be a psychologist. Um, And then I was like, maybe I'll do public health. So I started researching that a little bit. And um, because I was really concerned about healthcare and access to healthcare, and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll be an advocate for those that are uninsured or underinsured, and then I realized, like, that's not really the route that I want to go,
0: Yeah.
1: and after doing some praying and soul-searching, realizing that I really enjoyed working with um, college students at the time, my temp jobs were working on a college campus, Yeah. and I really enjoyed working with college students and, um, you know, students who were trying to find their way kind of like I was. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, well, let me look into possibly like higher ed or counseling programs. And I did some research and I did some informational interviews with like my former um, advisors. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll be a college advisor. Um, but I still loved psychology. Like I, I found um, myself kind of just still going to some of my psych and social classes of professors that, were like teaching higher level classes that i didn't get to take while i was in college and they just allowed me to sit in on their class yeah and i was amazed with like family systems and birth order and all this other stuff so i decided while i applied for a couple higher ed uh, masters programs i also applied for counseling programs because at what i realized was that even with a counseling degree i could still work in higher ed if i liked but i'll have the license and i can you know, do private practice as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I uh, decided to go with the the counseling gr- degree one, because it just seemed like a better fit. And two, because I had received a graduate assistantship that paid for my tuition. So that was helpful and helped me to make uh, that decision <laughs> a lot easier. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and so I, I went into um, counseling, did my program for two years, um, came out and was, you know, blessed to be able to find a job in a university right after, but then still be able to do, you know, contract work on the side. So I you know, was keeping my clinical skills up. And so that's kind of how I fell into counseling. Um, it was nothing that I thought I would ever do going into college, um, but it's, it's definitely something that I feel uh, I have the... Innate gift for like when you said, do your friends come in and talk to you all the time? Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that was something that even through college, like we would have our our girl talks and our girl talks that we still have our our girl conference calls to this day.
0: Yeah. Um, yep.
1: And so, uh, yeah, it, you know, it just felt right. Like I felt like, okay, yes, this is this is where you know the path that God wants me to to walk down.
0: So. I love that, and I love that you also admit so much of what, because I think there's this misconception that, and and I think it's just a cultural thing in general. If in our country, there's this pressure of you have to go to college, and you have to know exactly what you're going to do, and you have to yes. know your major, and you have to have figure it out, and work your job, and you know get out of college, you know, and mm-hmm. and the fact is is that like if you talk to pretty much Anyone that, I mean, I know so many people who are doing nothing related to what they majored in. And right. Yes. And then, or you get people who change their major two or three times, and, or people who change careers two or three times right after college. And I always tell people that is okay. And that mm-hmm. is good because you, what you're doing is you're getting all these different experiences that ultimately help you really decipher what is it that you are good at? What is it that you love to do? And what are you passionate about? And I don't think it's bad to change careers. I mean, obviously, the rest of your life, you don't want to be changing careers every year or two. But you know, the more that you can get different experience in different fields, you know, you're able to really start to hone in on what your giftings are.
1: No, I I totally agree, and I think you know college, the education like colleges and universities. When you look at what they were, you know, created for at the the, the foundation of education, you know, it was to learn, and it was right. you know yeah. to gain more information, and you know it's turned into obviously a big business, mm-hmm. um, and it's turned into a place where you know you go to college to get the job to live the life you want to live. Right. Right. And that's a lot of pressure, especially for when you're looking at kids really who come in at 17 and 18 and it's like, okay, you know, not even three months ago, you were raising your hand to ask to go to the the bathroom. And now you're on this college campus and you're trying to make like these really big decisions. Mm. um, And you don't, you know, always know that there's all these resources on campus that can you know help you and help to support and guide you and um, it can be a really especially on a, a large campus that might be decentralized and it, it can be really you know overwhelming um, and then to you know see students who might be in certain programs I went to the University of Michigan so um, I was in the College of LSNA uh, Literature, Science, and the Arts and so I had friends that were in the business school who. You know, that school is very, you know, the, their cohort might be like 200 kids per, per like freshman or sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they're very structured. Everybody does the same thing. <laughs> you yeah. Have a ton of support. And then you have the College of LSNA where you have like maybe five or 6,000 students.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and you're trying to navigate like, where's my structure? Like somebody tell me what to do. Um, and a lot of students get frustrated with that and so they automatically gravitate to I need to be a business major or I need to go to med school or I need to be a lawyer because that's where the structure is right you do this you do this you take this test you pass that and right. then you get in right. and um, you know the, the freedom to like actually learn and the freedom to discover yourself um, and to figure out like what you like versus what you don't like it kind of gets lost in the pressure of trying to figure out I need to make a decision mm-hmm. in four years and that's you know that's a lot to manage thankfully both my sister and I you know our parents were um really supportive and <laughs> you know great. I remember yeah calling my dad after an exam saying like hey um I don't think I'm going to be a dermatologist because I really do not like chemistry and he was like that's fine figure out what you like explore you yeah. still have you know a- another two and a half years so you know, take your time, take what, what, let's, when you come home, let's talk about what classes you like. So, you know, we had really supportive parents That's that awesome. kind of helped us to to foster in that way. But, you know, it's like you said, it, it can be really overwhelming and, and um, a lot of pressure to, to
0: make that decision. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, when I think back on how much college changed my life in a good way, It's not, I mean, yes, I learned interesting things in some of my classes, but, you know, I can't tell you specific things I learned in my, you know, British literature class. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you certain things I learned in Bio 101, but I can tell you, you know, how college helped me learn independence, and it helped me learn how to navigate social situations, and it helped me Mm -hmm. learn how to navigate, uh, you know, just being disciplined in... And work ethic and and then just the experiences and the organizations that you become a part of. And, you know, those types of things are just so important and so vital for just general life that I think that sometimes we get lost in this notion of you've got to go to college and figure out what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So I love I love how you really just help people now. And and you probably are able to use a lot of your own experiences to help people when they're sort of in that feeling, in that place of feeling stuck.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I think from all areas, like from figuring out, um, you know, okay, I know that I, I'm purposed for this career, but even like filtering it down even more, like, do I want to stay in, in working with students or do I want to completely do private practice or like how can I like find something that is really meaningful to me, which it's where kind of intentionally you kind of came from because I'm, you know, I still work within a university. I work more so with alumni and students now, but I'm able to meet those different needs in terms of how I want to impact people um, through intentionally in those three different ways. And um, I find that even working with clients, like you said, uh, a lot of the things that I've gone through personally, whether it's, you know, defining what my next career move is going to be, um, definitely on the the relationship side yeah. um, and, and navigating through um, being in a nine year relationship, breaking up, starting over at 28 and figuring out like, OK, what what do I do now? Like mm. you, it's almost like a divorce, like you've been with someone for so long. Wow. Like, what do you you know, how, how, how do I become just Ashley again? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and then also just finding meaning in terms of, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm living my life t- to, you know, God's potential for me. And then I'm, I'm my best and making sure that whatever mark he wants me to leave on this earth, that I've done it. And so just trying to, um, you know, navigate that whole process. And I'd say my, my mid to late 20s and even early 30s I mean I'm still in my early 30s I'm only 32 yeah. but you know you know as you reach different stages in your life like I feel it's like it's cyclical like you always come back to like re-evaluating yourself and um, you know I've okay I've, I've accomplished these things now what's next yeah um, and so I, I love being able to work through that with my clients and being able to not necessarily give advice, but um be able to give stories that help people to relate to to me and 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 maybe through those stories that they can take you know some uh, information that they can as seeds and and then plant for themselves that can help them to progress and grow as well,
0: yes. Now you, you, you mentioned something and I would love for you to talk about this a little bit if you feel comfortable. Sure. Um, I have, you know, it, it's funny. I have a f- couple dear friends um, and I know that there are some listeners who are single and are you, you mentioned that you were in a nine year relationship. You guys broke up. Are you still single today? I am not. Oh, so okay. I. <laughs> I, I don't
1: really, um, and I'll say I I do this because from my nine-year relationship and when Facebook got popular, we were like, uh, ending our freshman year, starting our sophomore year of college. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you never thought that Facebook would turn into what it is today. Yeah. And so, you know, back when I was, um, uh, we started dating in 2003 and, uh, you know, I thought that this was going to be the person that I married. And so in college, of course, you know, my status, when those became relationship status, when that became a, an option, I, I put married and, you know, everybody thought that we were going to get married at some point. And then when things ended, it was just like, oh, gosh, I have to take all of this off of Facebook now. <laughs> and so I like would slowly like delete pictures and I just hid my relationship status so that it wouldn't say that, you know, Ashley and so on so broke up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so from that I told myself like I will never put my relationship (laughs) on social media again until I know for sure that like we're married yeah yeah (laughs) so until my last name changes so I'm pretty private about my um, relationship in terms of how it's shown on social media Um, a lot of my i i do a lot of cryptic messages in yeah. my
0: posts
1: yeah so i don't know if a lot of people my friends who you know friends and family and in my daily life when people and you know who know me personally um my relationship is no secret i right. just don't you know i'm i always say this in my post i don't have to post it to prove it right so
0: yes no um, i love that and and honestly that is as, as you know, that's unique. That's a unique approach. And I, Mm -hmm. I honestly, I really love that. And I really respect that. Um, and I think that that shows such a sense of growth and maturity in you and, and learning from a past experience and a past and past hurt. And you're, you're like, I'm not going to set myself up for that to ever be a thing again, (laughs) you
1: know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just easier. And, and I, I joke around and, tell John, who is now my fiance, we got engaged, um, in May. Oh, Oh.
0: congratulations. Oh my goodness. Wow. There's so many exciting things happening in the last two and a half minutes. (laughs) I know. I love it. He
1: he proposed on, on May 15th and I always joke around with him that, um, you know, when, when the wedding happens, you know, we're just going to flood social media with, you know, all these posts and hashtags and, and people are going to be like, what, what happened? Um, but you know, when I was talking about single pearls of wisdom, single pearls of wisdom kind of was birthed from, you know, that pain and that discomfort of being single. And, um, you know, for almost two years, you know, getting to a place where I was finally like content, like, Oh God, like you, this is what you meant. Like, I understand it now. And as my mom would always say, like, as soon as you get to a place where you're completely you know, happy and, and content in your singleness, God will show you someone. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, mom, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew of John because, you know, we went to um, rival high schools and his best friend dated my best friend, but we never actually met in person. And so at the launch of Single Pearls of Wisdom, we needed, you know, some spoken word or some entertainment. And so I had reached out to him to say like, hey, do you still do spoken word? I know you used to if you do, you know, would love to have you come and and, um, do a a poem or some poetry at our event. And so my first time meeting him was when he came to our event and did some spoken word. And um, we just, you know, developed a, a friendship, like I, would tell my sister, like, he's really becoming my best friend. She like, I think he kinda likes you. And I'm like, No, he doesn't. Yeah. And <laughs> uh. <laughs> I was it was so going over my head. There was a book that I had read, um, called Lady in Waiting. And and so that was something that like I really held steadfast in like any of my dating, you know, um situations mm-hmm. where I would just approached it like he's just a brother in Christ. And so, um I think I was like so serious and so honed in on that, that like, I was probably missing some signals that he was a little bit interested. Yeah. And until my sister was like, I think you need to have a conversation. And I was like, really? You think he's, and she's like, yeah, I think he's. I think he likes you. So, um, yeah, it, it, we would start, you know, hanging out more. And finally he did say like, yeah, I'm, I, I am interested. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, didn't, completely was oblivious, uh, to me, I guess, you know, I wasn't picking up on those hints that you were giving, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, he, we were becoming best friends and, um, you know, one thing led to another and we started to court and date, um, exclusively and, um, almost two years later of courting would have been this coming August 15th, but he proposed on, May 15th, a couple months ago.
0: Oh, I so, love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, so my original question was going to be, you know, I would love for you to kind of just, you know, even though you are happily engaged, which is awesome, um, to just kind of what in those early days and when you started, um, single pearls of wisdom, you know, was that, what, what was that like? And, and what it was sort of, and, and even now as you do relationship coaching and, and just coaching of individuals for, for people who are in that, that phase of life where they're single, or maybe they've been single for a long time. And, um, they're, you know, they're like, am I just going to be like Paul? And I'm not, am I just, right. am I meant for a life of singleness? Like what, what is sort of your, what's your advice to those people and, and that, um, and that group and, and how do they, you know, what's the best way to navigate that?
1: Yeah. So the, the first thing I try to tell them is that is, as, as, probably as much as it you don't want to hear it um being single is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. um you know when I I first became single I I saw it as like a oh gosh I have to I have to start all over again Mm -hmm. and um it's starting over is not a bad thing it's I always like to call it like you know this might be your phoenix year Mm -hmm. where you're you're learning how to be resilient you're you're learning um how to be strong. And, um, you know, God is putting you through something that is allowing you to be pruned um, and polished for something greater. And so um, I I try to help them to understand that it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity um, for you to rediscover yourself and discover a deeper relationship with God so that you're, you're able to, you know, lean on him for strength. Like he, he doesn't want you to be in pain. He doesn't want you to hurt, but he wants you to, you know, put those, allow him to carry those burdens for you. And so being yeah. able to learn how to fully trust him with where he's leading you, um, in life is, is, you know, one of the main conversations that I have with a lot of clients in the beginning, because that fear is that we don't, we don't trust that, you know, he's going to have someone for us. And yeah. I have friends who have been single for, um, you know, a long time, five, six years, and, you know, have dated off and on, um, but nothing serious, nothing like a boyfriend or girlfriend, and girlfriend, and even, you know, their concern of, you know, when is it going to happen, and helping them to realize, too, that, you know, God only needs one millisecond, and we we praise and serve a suddenly God Mm. and he can give you a suddenly blessing and you never know. And I, I tell my friends as a testimony, like all I needed was one day. I just needed May 29th
0: Mm.
1: on May 28th. I was happy being single and I I knew that God would send me someone. And you know, I I wanted it of course to (laughs) to be sooner than later, but I was okay. When, whenever he would send me that, that one and the next day was nothing that um, you know I would have thought would have happened, but I needed to go through single pro's of wisdom. I needed to like use that to kind of grow and and talk about my story and help people who are you know um, going through something similar to get me to a place where I was ready to receive you know the the person that he was, the blessing that he had put in front of my life. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, helping them to understand that there's, I know it it can be redundant. I know sometimes you can't fully understand like what contentment means, yeah. but, um, you know, getting to a place where that fear isn't there anymore mm-hmm. or the thirst as me and my friends like to call it, where. Every time you go out, you're like, is he interested in me? Mm. Or um, is he married? He's really cute. Does he have kids? Like, you know, (laughs) before. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just, like, getting out of that mindset. um, And and once you're able to get, you know, past, you know, that place where you're just living and and having fun and enjoying your life um, and serving, um, you know, that's when, you know, he will... That's when you're in a place where where yeah. you're ready to, you know, receive what he has. So um, that would probably be one of the, the first things that I really try to talk to people about is, is you know, get past that fear and mm-hmm. learn how to, um, like, you don't have to wait for somebody to do something that you want to do because that's like a date activity. There's no such thing as a date activity. Date yourself.
0: Yes. Well, that was going to be my my next question is you talked a lot about, you know, really encouraging people who are in singlehood. And I think this also very much applies to anybody who's in a relationship as well, because this affects how you are in relationships. And that's the whole idea of self-love, mm-hmm. um, which is hard for people. And I was actually just having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day talking about what is it that has caused us to be so critical of ourselves and so hard on ourselves like we are our own worst enemy in so many ways um so so the friend of the example that she gave me that got us talking we kind of went on for a while about this but she was talking about how so she is an athlete she works out she does crossfit you know she's just like super super fit and she was talking about how she was really beating herself up because she had only – so she was, like, doing a particular exercise and she had only increased the, her weight that day by five pounds. And she was really tired, but she was, you know, just really, really super critical. But she was thinking about how when she's at the gym and she's, you know, maybe working out with a friend or something, if her friend increases by five pounds, you know, she's over there. She's cheering up. She's like, that's awesome. You did it. You know, like – and it's such a simple example of just increasing weight when you're working out. But mm-hmm. she was like, I would never say to my other friend, oh, I can't believe you only did five more pounds. You know, She was like, I'd never be so critical of my friend for only doing something like that. Yet I beat myself up about it. And then and then we've talked about just other things, too. Like when you're on a journey of, you know, whether it's like weight loss or whether you're building a business like Whatever it is, it's like it's so easy for us to cheer everybody else on when they achieve a small goal or make an improvement, but for ourselves it's never enough.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely our own worst critics. And I think sometimes it's because it's easier to see how hard other people are you know, how much effort they're putting in and, yeah. and how much work they're putting in and um we don't necessarily if that's not something that we're always self aware of in ourselves just because we're thinking it's just what we do like it's just something this is a part of our daily routine um and and unless someone were to actually call it out for us to say like oh hold pause let's take a step back like you actually you you did extra five pounds that you didn't do yesterday or that Mm. you didn't do at all earlier this week so Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's give ourselves a, a hand clap for that. You know, we're just thinking in terms of again being that that self-aware in those blind spots that we we don't see it, and 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 so therefore we are overanalyzing. We're super self-critical, um, and I think a lot of times what people tend to do is they forget to do self-talk, and when you talk about that. That self-love piece, just as you would encourage your friend, um, you know, to keep going. You did great. You added that extra five pounds, or um, you launched, you know, this new uh, book that you have. Um, you have to be able to sometimes visually see that for yourself as well. And so, a lot of times, I will encourage clients to um just write down what you did for the week mm-hmm. and then at the end of the week be able to go back and look and see and then you 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 can you have you know something tangible and visual that you can actually look at and say like oh I did a lot this week and I was able to finish that chapter for the book that I was writing or I was able to make $150 more in sales for my business this week or I got three really great testimonials from, you know, clients that I worked with Mm -hmm. um, this week. And so, you know, by, by being able to write it down and then, and see it, that's when I think people can allow themselves like the freedom to say like, Oh, I did good. I I did, I did better than I, I thought that I did this week. And, and so it's easy to see it when you're looking at everyone else. And sometimes a lot of comparison will come into play with that as well. But sometimes we just have to look inside and and take a a step back and and realize, like, no, we've we've actually accomplished a lot this week.
0: Yes, it's such a challenge for people. And I think, and and this definitely, and I'm sure you can agree with this too, and I don't know if you have any um, male clients, but I feel like women, like, we are the worst at this. We're like men will just sit there and they're like, I'm awesome. And I know I'm awesome. (laughs) And like women are be like, we just we have the hardest time taking a compliment. We have the hardest time, you know, bragging on ourselves or being being confident in our abilities. (laughs) I mean, and and a man's over there like, whatever. I know I'm the best guy in the room. (laughs) Yes, it's so
1: true. And I actually see it a lot with my career clients. Like, I do um, work with a few male clients. I definitely work more with women mm-hmm. um, than men. Um, but, you know, my, my male clients and just, um, you know, research has shown that men in average, when looking at, you know, careers or, or job descriptions, they might say, okay, out of the 10 things that this uh, employer is looking for, here's three or four things that I do really well. I'm going to apply because, yeah. <laughs> you know, Out of these three or four things, I can knock them off the park and everything else like I'll learn. But women, we will, you know, go through those 10 things and say, oh, I can only do three or four things really well. Uh, I don't meet the 10, you know, uh, list in their criteria. I'm not going to apply. So, you know, that that, you know, self-confidence, the ability to kind of like read between the lines sometimes is is something that we tend to kind of pass over and we don't give ourselves the the word I'm looking for we don't give our, ourselves the the man I am coming up with the brain fart right now
0: <laughs> it's like like the credit or yes the yeah. credit I'm like I know it starts with the c but I <laughs> oh my gosh that <laughs> happens to me all the time it's totally fine <laughs> I'm like I,
1: I know what this word is I say it all the time we yes the credit we don't give ourselves the the credit to be able to say like oh yeah you know I I I might not be able to, you know, do some of these things on this list or my experience isn't directly related, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. transferable. So I'm still going to, you know, apply for this position anyway and give it a shot and and see what happens.
0: Yeah, that's Um, a really interesting thing that I don't think I've ever even thought of or considered when when it comes to just even the simple task of applying for a job that I never would have thought of. A man will be like, well, I can do two of those things. So, yeah, I'll apply <laughs> for that job, you know. And mm-hmm. the woman will be like, well, I don't meet all 10 criteria. Yeah. That's yeah. so it, interesting. It happens
1: so often.
0: You know, it's funny that, you know, we're talking about all this self-love stuff. And and for me, this has been an area that was you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman obviously. So this, but you know, growing up and, and even in early adulthood, you know, I, I really struggled with a lot of self-confidence issues and self esteem issues. And I still do, um, to an extent, but it's been something I've been actively working on. And honestly, it, it, a big part of it has been since I had my daughter. And so my daughter she'll be four next month, um, or should be four in August. And, um, you know, it's one of those things. Well, actually this airs actually after her birthday. So she's already four, she's already four. Um, and so she, you know, when I think about what are the things that I want my daughter to know and be confident in, and I, you know, what are the things that I want to say to her and what do I want to speak over her and what are, how do I want, you know, her life to be a reflection of God's love for her. And, Mm -hmm that is, you know, it's funny because I'll come out like just today, for example. So we went to the gym as a family this morning, we got back from the gym and I took a shower uh, before I came over to the studio to record this podcast. And I came down, but you know, I was like, I didn't have enough time to blow dry my hair, do my makeup or anything. It was literally like, I just took a shower and put on a just a cotton dress and, you know, with some earrings and a necklace. And I came down the stairs and I'm kind of feeling all, you know, I, I obviously feel better because I took a shower, but, I, you know, I'm like, not I don't feel like I'm put together. And I walked down the stairs and my daughter was like, mommy, you look so beautiful. And hmm. it's so easy for me to be like, Ugh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any makeup on. I don't have my hair blow dried or whatever. But, I realized that, like, I would say that to her because she's beautiful mm-hmm. no matter what. She doesn't need makeup. She doesn't need her hair blow-dried, although she has the most beautiful curly hair so that I'm so jealous of. Uh, that has this, like, ringlet hair and so beautiful. But it's like I always think she's beautiful. And she always thinks I'm beautiful no matter what. And it's, it's so funny the things that sometimes she'll say. She's like, Mommy, you look so beautiful in that blue shirt. Or like, Oh, Mommy, you look so beautiful in your jammies. You know, she just will say those things. And I will, of course, always say those things to her. But then I have to watch myself and just say, thank you, sweetheart. You know, that really means a lot rather than being like, oh, no, no, you know, because it's really (laughs) hard for us to just take the compliment. And I get that it's my four year old daughter. But I, I think about like, what are the things that I'm saying to myself when I look in the mirror? What are the things I'm saying to myself when I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to achieve something or I'm working towards something? What am I teaching my daughter? What am I modeling for her? Because I want her to to know, you know, and I always say these types of things to her and have her repeat them and tell her that she's capable and she's confident and she's kind and she's smart. Yes, she's beautiful, but it's not just obviously about being beautiful on the outside. Like she's just her little sweet soul is so beautiful on the inside too. And so I want her to know all of the things that she's capable of, um, and, and, and grow up with that confidence because I know that once she gets out into the world, the world starts to beat us down. Yes. And that's where it comes from is when I think about like where my self-esteem issues came from and where my self-confidence issues came from in my teens and in my early 20s, it wasn't from my parents. Mm-hmm. My parents were awesome and told me that they love me and told me I was beautiful all the time. It was the world. hmm So that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard balance to strike, but it's funny how I think that the older I get, the better I get at it. And I don't know if you see that too with your clients, like your older clients maybe have an easier time with this than younger clients. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I'm not an expert. It's more just like I'm kind of inferring (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. Um, and, and I would say it's not all because there's definitely some <clears throat> older clients who might not necessarily have had, as you said, like, you know, you go through college or as you, you know, once you leave college and you start to, you know, explore the world a little bit more, like we start to discover um, a lot of things about ourselves. And there's a lot of things mm. that would bother us, you know, before that, you you know, you just, as you mature and as you start to love, like discover that self-love piece, um, you know, the peer pressure and the, the, um, you know, insecurities or, or things that people might say to you or about you don't really affect you in the same way. Um, and there are some people that don't necessarily get past that point. Like it, the words um, have broken them down so much mm-hmm. that they get stuck in this place of being, super self-critical and not necessarily being able to kind of blossom through the concrete, as I I sometimes say, where you're able to kind of break through and and come to these realizations about yourself. But um, just like you were saying, in terms of how you, um, you know, speak all of these great things into your daughter so that she can grow up to be coming self-confident, I think it's um, something that we learn to do the older that we get, you know, being able to realize to, to really know our impact. Um, yes. Yes. And, and know how, you know, what we do, how that is being seen or how it's reflected um, to other people and um, especially to, you know, our youth and, and helping to, um, you know, we want to, to help them feel unique and, um, know that they are, are are special and building that self-esteem. And I think sometimes as you're, it, it's kind of like a mirror as people start to, at least for me, one of the, the things that I was able to see and recognize is that I, as I was volunteering and I, as I was giving back in, um, like you said, speaking these things into, you know, these young men and women in mm-hmm. um, these organizations or in this, and ministries that I was a part of. I would have to realize like, why is it so easy for me to say that to them? And I can't say that to myself. Mm, And so, mm -hmm. you know, having that mirror in front of you to say they are unique and so am I. And, and, you know, even going back to the Bible and and knowing that, you know, I am, I am God's child. Like he, he knew me before I was even in the womb and, and being able to realize that he made me exactly how I'm, how I'm supposed to be. And, and he loves me. And, Um, I am special and, you know, I have these gifts that he's given me to, to help that impact, um, to implement into other people. And I think one of the biggest things that I had to learn was being able to praise my imperfections. I think that's something that I'm really good at doing for everyone else and realizing that, you know, people make mistakes and, you know, I always say, you know, but it was a learning experience, you Mm -hmm. know, that, you know, you can't beat yourself up for that. And I would have to say that to myself, like, okay, you're not perfect. You are imperfect and that's okay. Yes. And you know, you can't harp on the fact that you didn't do this great three weeks ago. It's been three weeks and you're still thinking about it. Right. Like, like you need to let it go. You gotta
0: let it go. You gotta move on. (laughs)
1: Learn the lesson and let it go. Yeah. And um, I think that that's something that as you continue to, you know, see yourself as, as being unique and, and be able to, um, you know, be okay with those imperfections, that that's when that social confidence, that confidence in yourself, that self-love starts to begin to build up. Um, And it's the same thing as you, you know, continue to instill that into your, your daughter and, and, you know, to the youth of today, like that self-confidence will grow um, and they'll be able to, you know, handle a lot of these pressures and things that they will face in life. And, you know, they might grapple with a few, but, um, for the most part, they'll be well-rounded and and able to cope and, and, you know, live a happy, normal life. And that, that self-confidence piece is, is huge, especially now that, you know, kids are dealing with a lot of stuff that we didn't have growing up. And we kind of grew up at a, at an interesting time where like we were like at the start of when you know the internet and all this stuff social media like started to become popular but we still had you know the the cell phones that didn't have internet like everything was not as easy easily accessible as Mm -hmm. it is now yeah kids are so overexposed um, to so much and there's so much comparison so it's really unless you, you know you're actually monitoring um, and I wouldn't say, I feel like sometimes parents can be a, a helicopter parent to the point where <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they do, they, they don't necessarily expose their, they protect their children so much, but don't have that conversation to expose them themselves to what they might see outside of the home. But, um, you know, being able to, uh, deal with all this stuff that they have coming at them, um, today is, it's, it's a lot. And so what you're doing, I, as you're, you know, telling me, I'm just sitting here like, that is awesome. Because, you know, <laughs> there's a lot, I see a lot of people who, who didn't have that growing up and it definitely yeah. makes an impact on who they oh, are it does. as an
0: adult. It definitely does. It definitely does. Uh, well, Ashley, I have just loved, loved, loved our time together. And I just think that you, I love, how you are impacting so many people in so many ways in their personal lives and their professional lives and just, and, and also just the work that you do with, with college students. I have such a passion for college ministry. I love working with college students. And, um, so I, you know, I'm, I really believe that that is such a a pivotal point in time in, um, a person's life is, is those four years or five years, however long mm-hmm. it takes, right? Um, but it really is such a transformative time, and um, there are so many people that I talk to that that talk about how the, their college years were sort of that that time where they could have gone down one or two paths, mm-hmm. and their life would be very different depending on which path they took, and so I just I, I just commend you for all the work that you're doing there and just um, and how you've just listened to God's calling on on really pursuing your passion and your purpose and um, all that you do for people. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much and
1: and it's been a blast talking with you today, and I really appreciate that the opportunity and
0: um thank you absolutely so for those that are listening I will have all of the links to connect with Ashley on social media and um, to find out more about the intentional you and just if you're interested in working with Ashley anything like that um, I will have all those links in the show notes Um, but you can find her on um, Instagram at you are at the intentional you or is it just at intentional you at intentional and then underscore and then the letter U. Awesome. Intentional underscore letter U on Instagram. Um, I had to laugh at your Mariah Carey post from the other day. Because <laughs> my husband and I have had conversations about this recently because Mariah Carey was my husband's like childhood, like crushed. And and he's like, what happened to her? What happened? I
1: know. I, know. I, I, I feel like though, you know, Mariah's like, I've done my time. I've done you know, it. I'm just I'm just, you know. Gonna hear, be here and, and sing these notes for you all, and and that's it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh man, oh it's good times. Oh Indeed. yeah, but then there's sometimes where you just go, honey, it might be time. Like if <sighs> that too, it I might be know time. it's
1: it's okay, Mariah. If you only come out like once every couple of years, yeah, it's
0: okay, <laughs> it's okay. You do you, Bill. You do you. <laughs> 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 oh man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. And, um, we will definitely be keeping in touch. Thank you so much, Molly.
1: And would love to keep in touch. And, uh, it's, it's been great talking with you today and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. You too.
0: How many times during this episode, did you feel like Ashley was talking right to you? I know that there are people out there who felt so connected to the struggles and the challenges that Ashley felt like she was facing. And I love how she just decided to do something about it. She started ministries. She started a business. And she, instead of feeling stuck, she just went and did something about it. Be sure to leave Ashley some love on social media. I will have all of her contact links and everything in the show notes so that you can check them out. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps ensure that you never miss an episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind just taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know that you are liking it and how this show is personally impacting you. Reviews also help to show other potential listeners what the show's really about. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag #BusinessWithPurposePodcast with or tag me at StillBeingMolly Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I wanted to take a moment to read this review by Morgan. Morgan says, this podcast is so inspiring for business owners who want to accomplish something bigger and do some good in the world. Molly is an excellent host, and she finds the best people to interview. Morgan, thank you so much for the review. You have no idea how much that means to me. Thank you so much. And you guys know that I love hearing from you. So be sure to send me an email at molly at stillbeingmolly.com or tag me on social media again at stillbeingmolly. And let me know what you think. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening, and now, go do something good with purpose, on purpose. Bye!